<laughs> oh my god, I forgot we had music. That's right. It, it's Wait, like it, it's one. like we never left. <laughs> it's 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 kind of surreal to think that we're doing this again. Do you it's guys like, ever hear that? Because this is a riff from GarageBand, but are you guys ever like watching local TV yes. or something, and then you hear it and you go, "Oh, it's my, that's our theme song." Yeah. You know what? In LA, there's a um, uh, what do you call it? A military supply store. What do you call those things? Um, surplus. Surplus store that uses it on one of their late night cable ads. It freaks me out. It freaks me. It's also super inappropriate for a surplus store. It's like guns, guns, guns. Do, do, do. <laughs> I'm picturing that guy from the surplus store in the movie falling down. Yeah. <laughs> it just it's like we got guns, we got army supplies, we have rations. <laughs> do, do, do. Well, how you guys, how you guys wanna, been? I, I haven't wanna... I haven't talked to you in like 9 months. Oh, I know. <laughs> now it's a long time. A lot of, lot of, lot of changes. A lot of changes. Web comics weekly, more like web comics decadely. <laughs> and that's the way we like it. By the way, very appropriate. We're recording today. Do you know whose birthday it is today? Yours, Charles Schultz's. <gasps> what? Really? Had he lived, he would be ninety years old today. Wow. Really? Yeah. Can you imagine that? Well, that's why I wanted to do it today. So I'm glad that we. <laughs> you know what, Christopher? Somewhere in your heart, you knew. <laughs> God, he would have been ninety. All along. Wait a minute, how old is Genie? Not, uh, not probably 90. 75, yeah. 72 I'm guessing. Oh, oh yeah, he yeah he did all right for himself. Hmm. I told my dad that he blew it because you know he kissed her, right? <laughs> is, that, is that public knowledge now? It was, just a, it. it was just a smooch on the cheek. That's a kiss. <laughs> That's Let me Chris, ask you a question. Chris, that is marriage in Alabama, and you know it. <laughs> question, Chris. In the last year that you've been married, how many opportunities have you had to kiss a woman on the cheek? Oh. That's a good Well, That's, a good, that's not including my mom? Don't count your mom. <laughs> I guess. Oh, well, that. I Mine guess, went from one to zero. And Only yeah. count your mom in therapy, please. <laughs> We're not so, and I'm not. And I don't live in France, so I guess zero. I'm saying, hmm. Saying my dad really had an opportunity there, and he blew it. What but Schultz is a good. Schultz is a good counter argument to uh, other cartoonists we'll be discussing today. <laughs> Man, I love the segue. How do, you, how do you keep it going for fifty, sixty years? That's the question. Jeez Louise. Well, step one, don't have an utter contempt for all of your characters. <laughs> no, I, step I, two. I, I, take a little, I take a little issue with you on that one, Scott, but let's proceed. Just a oh. tiny, tiny, tiny issue. Oh. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, first of all, you're listening to Web Comics Weekly. This is a podcast that uh, the four of us have done for uh, a couple years, and then we took a, we've taken a break. But something has called us out of retirement. It's like one of those... Uh, one of those movies where, where um, you know, we're all, we're all, we were living on a farm, and we're all happy and retired, and our hair's long, we got beards, and then <laughs> guy comes up and he sees us, and we're chopping wood. all of us are chopping wood. Chris is glistening, <laughs> chopping wood on a stump that's endless. It's the same piece of wood in every cut, by the right, way. Right, right. I'm getting big, and then and then they're like. Web Comics Weekly, we're like, we're retired. We're out of that game. And they're like, we don't we do that you. anymore. And it's like, nothing could bring me back. 
And then they go, Buckley has ended control all. <laughs> And immediately just rip our beards off like they're shirts. <laughs> like, God damn it. Guess that I'm going. No, we reach, they keep we, pulling me back in. We reach into the log pile and there's microphones in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to say, you. So underneath all this, like, this uh, wood chipped covered dust is just this one little silk cloth, and underneath it is a road podcast. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> You you slowly pull it off. You're like, I'm coming back in. Chris, I just pictured you walking in to a dresser. There is a woman in bed. <laughs> you open up the dresser and you like pull out a false bottom of a drawer and you pull out a box, like a pine box. <laughs> and it says something on it like, I don't know, come up with a name for your mic. You're good at that. This thing, it's time, old blue. Let's get yeah. back to work. <laughs> and, and, and in this montage scene, it's like it's like MacGruber, where we've all, all gone on to different careers, and and uh, Brad is naked mud wrestling in uh, South America, and Scott walks in and goes, "Brad, it's time," and you just see Brad reach into his spit bucket off in the corner of the of the ring, and out comes this dripping wet Mike. He's like, "All right, I'm back in." <laughs> Not a moment too soon. <laughs> I was starting to and, throw those. And by beers. the way, the entire time, Brad, as hard as a rock. <laughs> All three of you come into me, and it's you. You're like Scott. We need you. Oh God! And it's I've set up a table, and I've got microphones, fake microphones, and like stuffed animals. And I'm like, you guys, we're all still the best of friends. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Started, I don't think it was before we recorded this. Oh. Today is a special day to re-record this to all come back together. Yep. It's a, with Charles Schultz's, what, 90th birthday? 90th birthday today, yeah. And as we all know, Charles Schultz didn't die. He is with Walt Disney and Elvis <laughs> uh, plotting their glorious ascension and return. <laughs> the artistic <laughs> Pentagenet, as it were. Oh, Whoa, oh what? David. Oh, David. The, the Pentagenet. <laughs> Pentagenet. That's you guys great. ever heard that? You, okay, you know the people that, that believe in the, the, the five people that run the world? Yeah, yeah, like the Illuminati. Yeah, the, exactly. The Pentagenet is another way of saying that. How the hell do you spell it? Pentagen. I know Pentagenite is a beautiful, rare silicite min- mineral. <laughs> Why am I the one who doesn't know anything this time? <laughs> oh, Pentagenet. Wait, did I say it wrong or did I say Plantagenet? Wait, what that? <laughs> Hold on. God damn it. You, I want to find this. What is? You blew it. Uh, I ruined it. You wrecked it. We know that you're not among the five people. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Guys, I just accidentally hit their website. I think I'm in trouble. <laughs> I love you all. They're going to come kill me. So what happens when you have a comic strip? We have a, you do a comic you do it for a long time. And uh, and you get, ten years, right? You get you do it for like ten years. You get sick of it. You get tired of it, and you feel like rather than energized by it, it the same thing is just breaks you down until you feel like there's nowhere left to go. What happens? What's that thought process? What happened to Tim? Well, <laughs> I mean, do we do we know that for a fact? Do we know that he was actually has he said that he was tired of his characters? He, he made a he did a blog post that essentially said um uh control delete had started as a very broad sort of game of the week joke 
type of a strip. And then over time, he started to build in uh, continuity into the characters. Like, you, of course, you want to do a short storyline. And maybe Ethan's got to go to the store to pick something up and he can't do it or whatever the thing is. And But over time, he just continued to add to add to add to it. And mm-hmm. he, in that blog post, he expressed feeling stifled by, you know, the the depth. He said of that these of the yeah, I'm having to come back to these stories. Basically, he said that when he started it, it was for fun. He actually says it's for practice, which is bullshit. He put it up because he wanted to have a comic. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, he said that she didn't expect it to go very long, which we all understand. Like, we didn't expect our strips to go anywhere. And then all of a sudden people start reading it, and he enjoyed uh, making it, and suddenly it's, you know, a thing. And now it's a thing that you, you, you know, you can make a living at it, so of course you're going to do it. But then he said he started doing storylines, and... Realized he loved telling stories and that he wanted to keep telling stories, not just do like random jokes. Mm-hmm. So he started to explore the characters out. And then uh, he felt that the first part of the comic strip's history, his characters were used as just like a vehicle for whatever jokes came to mind. So he did all this random stuff that he didn't care, like, oh, who cares what happens because it doesn't matter and you can erase it afterwards. Mm. But then when he came up with ideas for stories, uh, he wanted he had to come up with lives for these characters that were already in place. So he felt like, I mean, I had the same thing happen to me with PvP pretty early on, which was, oh, I guess I care about doing this, but I've have an established strip where these characters are goofy and I kind of have ideas that I want to do that would require a fresh start. But instead I don't want to do a fresh start because I kind of have this thing going now. So what do I do? And so he felt that he had to kind of take these stories he wanted to tell and kind of focus them through these characters that had an established audience rather than just go tell those stories. And that he always kind of felt stifled by it. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, so the question is, how was it the right? Do you feel like it's the right thing to do this reboot or this shift? Well, I think the the first thing I would admit to is I would. I'm going to speak for all of us. I think we've all been there, right? I mean, we've all been in that moment of just being tired. Yeah. Right. Yeah, is that not yeah. fair to say? Like that part at least. But I, I think all four of us have taken different paths on what we do when we get tired. We either introduce new characters, we go off on new storylines. You change the strip itself, not abandon it, which is the part I find interesting. Well, yeah, because you put so much time and so much creativity into those characters, into building that brand, into into cultivating that relationship with readers, and and to throw it over. I mean, you know, like for example, Scott says he's done a, a couple, you know, a soft reboot of of PvP, but those characters didn't didn't change so much as as that that there was like a little bit of a it was more of a tweak. It's like, you know, it's like the all, right. DC All Star version of it. Yeah, it's, it's like well, well, the well, continuity is still there, but we're let's clear down and not worry about it so much. People ask me all the time, like, why doesn't the panda attack Brent anymore? Like, why don't you do strips where the panda attacks Brent anymore? And I always say, well, because if I if if that always had to happen, I would lose my mind. Yeah, I, I my fear is that you will come to the strip and you, someone will come to PvP and go, oh, one, well, whatever happened with PvP, and they go, huh, same thing was happening in 1998. Yeah, and so I mean, <clears throat> I feel like that's a greater danger than 
you've you've changed it. I mean, as long as it's still funny. I think that I think that there are some. I think that artists, even even as endless and as accessible as the internet makes us to the world, I think that artistically we still live in a bubble. And we live in a bubble that's created by a couple things. One of them is our own our own preconceptions about our work. I think another thing that creates the bubble is our ability to be influenced by anyone that criticizes us, whether we know it's right or wrong to do it. Mm-hmm. I think it's easier for us to say, okay, this guy really loved the strip and he thinks I'm awesome, but I can't take that seriously because he's a fan and I can't go by that because, of course, he loves it. Right. So, and anything he, uh, it doesn't matter what I do, he loves it, so I can't take his thing seriously. But when someone says, you're a hack, you've always been a hack, it's instinctive for you to go, God, he's right, I've always been a hack. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that creates a bubble. But I think that a big part of the bubble is that you need to kind of step back from your strip and realize that your readership is cyclical and that, and that there's, a, there's a part of it, there's a core of it maybe, that just the people that have been there from the beginning and will be there when you die. Right. Yeah. Well, that, that actually raises an interesting point of this that I wanted to bring up, which is that uh, um, I suppose if you look at it from the sensitive, Tim was, got to the point where he was like, you know what, I'm done. I'm absolutely done. His choices at that point were either quit or to do a version of this, I guess. But the flip side to all this is you're basically telling your readers, you know what, F you, that all that archive, all that investment, done. Oh, interesting. Oh, no, absolutely. That's exactly what he did. No, this is where Chris and I are going to argue because, (laughs) look. We're not going to argue that deep about it because I'm mostly in line. Okay, go ahead. ahead. This is what absolutely fascinates me about this whole situation, okay? And it's beyond my contempt for the man because he is a monster and he's wanted by three international organizations for fucking art crimes. (laughs) And I know that's true. But, I mean, the man is a monster, and that's and you don't have to join me on that fucking hate train. But there is there is so much armchair psychology in all of his posts. He he if you talk to the people that know him, and I have become a, a, like a, a hobbyist of analyzing his psychosis by talking to people that have interacted with him and know him. He has completely cut himself off from at least publicly, every other webcomic out there, every other creator out there, every other convention. Really? Yo, yes. He goes to one convention a year, and it's the convention that his friend runs that's in his city. He goes to Kineticon. And when he goes there, he sets up a booth, he puts a video game in it uh, that's facing to the side of the booth, not out towards the readers that are coming to see him, and he puts an Xbox on it, and he sits in there and he plays Xbox. And then when for him to sign more books, he will sign a stack of books and he'll turn and play Xbox again. Like yeah. that is confirmed. Yeah, it's very it's very strange. When um when we all did the World of Warcraft, let's all have guilds for our fans and fight each other and he made one. The rule of the guild was you couldn't talk to Tim, couldn't ask him any questions about his comic strip, otherwise you couldn't be in the guild. Why? Like there, because he's there to take advantage of the fact there's a thousand players that want to give him free stuff, not to help, not to make you feel good about the fact. That- <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the the man has had a contempt. Here's my theory. Okay, there was a time, and people that are reading web comics and making web comics now, like mm-hmm. 
person sitting next to me may not understand this, but there was a time, much in the same sense that there was a time when what Schultz was doing was not trite, okay? Because it hadn't happened yet, and he invented it, and then it informed everyone. And if you just see what he informed and you look at his stuff, you think it's trite. Because you don't know he informed it all. Right. There, yeah, I agree with that. When Penny Arcade had not informed every video game webcomic out there. So, 10 years ago, it was possible to create a comic strip about two guys sitting on a couch playing video games and have a large chunk of people not accuse you of ripping off Penny Arcade. I see your point. And I think Tim got in right under that wire, and all of a sudden he had success thrust upon him, and he didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, I Um, think I I, I agree with that. Years. And I think that he got hooked in very young. Think about this. We're all in our not 30s. (laughs) You know, we're kind of up there. We're all getting close to the fours. Some of Mm -hmm. us are well into the fours. But (laughs) jobs and wives and possibly children before we dealt with this. Imagine if, like, pretty quick out of college, you had that thrust upon you. Like, I don't think he's ever had a job. Right. 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 And so it's like, you know, I was, I was telling this to Mary, because Mary gets really, like, almost has a panic attack when Kiwi Blitz, her comic strip, is going to be late. And I say, Mary, why are you stressing so much about it? So it doesn't go up. It doesn't matter. And she's like, how can you say it doesn't matter? And I'm like, because... PvP has to go up because if it doesn't go up, then my page views goes down, which means my ads income is bad. And I can't pay my mortgage, and I don't have a job, and then my wife is, leaves me. <laughs> you know, you're you're living with your parents in Corpus Christi, and you are saving money, and it's okay. Yeah, there's not this huge thing hinging on it being there. You didn't build a life around it yet, so it's like I feel kind of kind of bad for him in a way because. His entire life is built around the fact that this works. And if he doesn't like it anymore, what the fuck is he going to do? Right. Well, that's a really good point. It really informed the way in which he ended it because, and I know that he's claiming he's going, he's really just kind of rebooting the characters and they'll be back. And so you'll see these characters again, but they won't be the characters you were. But as much as fanboys care about continuity, as much as Chris goes, okay, the J.J. Amber movie is great, but that's not fucking Star Trek, even though it's Star Trek. It's supposed to be, yeah. I mean, they've, he built it into the story that it is. Uh, but but for, to you, you don't give a shit. You have to watch old episodes of Trek to see Kirk and Spock, and I... Mm-hmm. He did not give any kind of a happy ending to his characters at all. He murdered, he brutal erased them from time. So here's... This is an interesting thing, because there's two... Let me throw this out there early in this conversation. There's two ways, I think, that long-term comic strips experience uh, deviation from the the pure and good center that people enjoy, right? Okay. Number one, I think, is um, they continue to do the same thing over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, for example, user-friendly this year... Uh, is indistinguishable from user-friendly from 10 years ago. Yeah. There's no right. way that I can right. tell you when a strip is if I don't look at the date. 
It's and in some respects, Chris, that's the, that's the traditional comic strip model, because that's what Andy Cap did. Like, if you saw Andy Cap drinking a beer today, that's what he was doing exactly 15 years ago. It, right, you know? exactly. Right, right, right. And then the other thing that happens, and we don't, I don't think you see it as commonly, but it used to happen a lot in, with Keen Spot. And I feel like this is more indicative of somebody who is practicing. You start out with a very broad uh, joke comic strip, and then over time, it just turns into this super deep and dramatic and, <laughs> and overwrought, like painful, like painful things on the page, and it becomes so serious. And, and that's yeah. the other direction that it can go in, and that's the direction that that this strip went in, where you know. To look at the beginning of the strip, like, ah, oh, this guy's playing video games. There's jokes about video games that came out this week that all gamers will get. It just mm. turned into this, like, I'm sorry. I loved you. I killed my wife. I did it. I, <laughs> I'm responsible. Oh. I destroyed the world. And I murdered all the cats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 David. Literally, I killed my wife. I'm responsible for the death of the universe. Is that what happened in the strip? Yes. Oh, well, see, I've yeah, never. Yeah. I, I I have to. I have to have the big caveat that I've never given two shits about this trip, so I I don't know. What's going on. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, but you. Well, uh, oh, go ahead, Brad. I had to have it explained to me, but it, he created. He he turned his Xbox into a robot, and that robot killed his wife. Right. Yeah, that's the the big conceit of the strip early on. So the causality, the causality though, is that he created the thing that killed his wife, or is that his character Ethan, which is Mary Sue of him? I don't know why he doesn't just name him Tim. Because he draws a character of himself, like I, like Chris and I draw each other in the Blams, and it's the same fucking character. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, like, I always looked at, um, for some reason, I always looked at Control, Delete, and Checkerboard Nightmare as the same strip, except in his strip, the goofy guy always wins. <laughs> Which is why, and I made sure that Checks didn't win, because nobody likes that. Because he's awful. Right. Because he's not right. good. Um he's- it doesn't matter what his character does, how horrible his character is, how fucking just completely base and horrible he is. He always wins, and everyone loves him, no matter what. But he turned his Xbox into a robot years years and years ago. So the storyline that starts off is that ends CAD. And I had to, to, to quote a friend of mine who may not want to be named, but his name sounds a lot like Barry Falcons. <laughs> said i had to be an archaeologist and go for this storyline and back piece it together backwards but essentially main character gets approached by a version of himself from the future that says remember that xbox robot you made yeah remember how he made a girlfriend and you unplugged his girlfriend yes okay well that pissed him off and he eventually builds a robot army and takes over the world and he kills your wife in front of you and makes you watch the main characters, the main female lead, who I named girl, uh-huh. is murdered by his best friend robot. In now, imagine doing this, Dave, to, to help you. Imagine doing this with Sheldon. Imagine having Arthur <laughs> kill Dante, and, and Sheldon is is torn up and he's got to take revenge. Like imagine doing that storyline in the strip, in your strip, the way it is now. And yeah, how- no, I, I, the, the way you sold it to me, Chris sold it perfectly. was all the keen spot strips where it starts it off like, <laughs> well, guess what guys? World war four. Yeah. 
<laughs> and it's like, our there was, fault. There was like seven uh, strips in the late nineties, two thousands that did that, where it's just like yeah. wah, 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 rubber duck, rubber duck, rubber chicken, you know. And then it was like, <laughs> oh, guess what? We've, we've murdered every human being. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if part of that is like that. That uh, that nerdly sentiment of like, hey, pay attention to me, guys. Pay attention. I'll, I'll tell you funny jokes. Pay-. No, they're paying attention to me. I'm really sad. <laughs> I think you get like, a t- I like think you once get a- you have attention, the, the the true nature of like the loneliness yeah. comes out. Yeah. Now yeah. I'll tell you what I, what's really inside. Yeah. I'm saying, do you want to see a magic trick? And you go, oh, I love magic. And they reach into a hat and pull out a paper, piece of paper that says, "My uncle touched me in the." <laughs> 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 Now it's just telling you that it was tricking you, <laughs> thinking you were getting. <laughs> I guess Ethan built a time machine. The time machine allows his, him to come back and warn himself. You know that the future version of himself is a future version, by the way, because he has an earpiece in his ear. That's how you know he's from the future. So he's got a Bluetooth. All right, Bluetooth, a very futuristic <laughs> thing. Right, uh, and so he he says, "Look." Uh, I've come back in time to make you not do this so that none of this happens? No. He says, it's happened. I can't change it. Lila, this character that you may care about, was murdered by the other character that you care about in front of the main character, and that will never change. But maybe I can create an alternate timeline where where I, he, you know, I've come back in time, which moves me to an alternate timeline where it hasn't happened yet, and then I know she's safe somewhere. Yeah. And then, and then, no, that doesn't happen either. It all goes tits up. And the, the guy's like, well, we're all fucked. And Ethan says, well, I'm, I miss you and I love you and I'm sorry, but I have to press this time machine and reboot all time because it's the only option. Otherwise, everything dies. And then, in a, this is, now keep in mind, this is a storyline he says he's been planning for two years. Really? Yes. In the blog, he says he's been playing this for two years, this ending. Okay. Comic called Control-Alt-Delete. He is about to reboot the strip. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Character use a machine to reboot the universe, and he does not have that character press Control-Alt-Delete on the... (laughs) (laughs) It didn't occur to him. (laughs) Yeah, he just pushes a button. It's just a round button. I, really? No, I mean, and it's a time machine. Aww. <laughs> hey, hey, Scott, I'm I'm realizing. Oh, that's such a mess. I'm realizing a problem with this with this podcast. Uh, and it's a technical one. Your mic is not duplex, so you'll talk, but somebody will talk over you, and you go silent. <gasps> oh no! Well, hold on. Let me just do this. Well, shit. Bing. How's no. It? Fuck it. We'll do. Well, uh, so, to, so to put this to put this into historical context, this is not the first author that hated his successful characters. Oh, interesting. Like, Conan Doyle fucking hated Holmes by the end of his career. It might go really. It might go dark for a second. Holmes. Brad, he killed him in the in the final problem. He had Moriarty kill Holmes. Well, yeah, I know he, he was. It, well, yeah, he, I guess. I guess and he was could. like, "Look, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm going to go back to writing serious novels. I don't want to do this stuff. I hate. I hate that this is the thing I'm known for." 
And then he tried, he tried to make a living doing other stuff. It's like, whoop, 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 back to Holmes. All right, back to Sherlock. <laughs> so Sherlock didn't die. Uh, turns out he fell off the cliff. But there was a big bounce house at the bottom. Kids were having a party. So oh Sherlock God. is back alive. I really need some paychecks. Um, let's keep these stories going. It, uh, <laughs> Take a look. It's, it's, at, it's elementary, dear Watson. Everything you like. Everything you like. He's back to doing cocaine. He's wearing his hat. La, la, Did he la, leave la. it open at all? Look, What's that? Did he leave it open? Well, he he Moriarty pushed Holmes off the cliff, but it's a fucking huge cliff. Like he he um uh don't Conan Doyle sets it up. It's like this he is wanted a four hundred foot cliff. Like he wouldn't have survived. Oh man! But it's the kind of thing of like I think later on he said you know it's the camera pan a- over the side and you see you see Frodo and and Gollum hanging off the edge. You know, <laughs> I think I think that's the way he did it by the by the time he came back. I don't remember, but I thought maybe it was going to be the uh, the often used trope of it doesn't matter how far you fall because if there's water down there, it's like you hit a million mattresses. <laughs> that's right. It's Hello? all feather dusters. Somebody still got to explain to me how James Bond survived the opening five minutes of Skyfall with the motorcycle. Yeah, with the with the being shot off the train into the water. Wow! Then, oh, spoiler alert. Oh Christ! The movie's been out for for weeks. It also <laughs> happens in the first ten minutes of the movie. He literally falls five hundred feet to water, which would be concrete. Right. And, and flat on his back, he's underwater for like fifteen minutes while the while the while the woman sings, and then goes over a waterfall. I, I mean, love how Brad thinks that the opening credits were, is a part of the continuity of the movie. <laughs> what do you mean? There's a woman Wait. yelling. I don't even know where she was. We're, we're looking through the scope of a gun. It's very confusing. Red, it's not like James Bond sank past the actual word Skyfall. That's metaphorical. That's just letting you know the movie's starting. No, but you can see him go over the waterfall. No, I've that happened. happened. Oh, In the opening credits? True. No, no, no. Yeah. He's, he's right. He does go over a waterfall as well. Okay. Not not in the credits in the in yeah. The what I, I understand the silhouettes are different. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> like you realize that I like how I like how Brad's like very confused by the whole idea of James Bond. He doesn't sound Scottish anymore. He sounds like he's from from a different part of England. Can someone explain now? how James Bond fell into a, a pool of water inhabited by giant silhouetted ladies with Walter? <laughs> <laughs> And no one addresses the giant woman in the moors. There's there's floating skulls. There's there's uh, what is happening? What was that? <laughs> no more acid for Brad when he's about to go see a giant. And here's body. the and here's the worst part. We never found out what Skyfall was. <laughs> you know we did. because because I walked out. When <laughs> um, we went to see Skyfall, the. When we went to see Skyfall, the theater we were in said, if you see any suspicious behavior during the movie, please contact management. And Chris turns to us and puts a fake phone up to his ear and he goes, hello, I have discovered some suspicious behavior. I think these men are trying to kill James Bond. <laughs> so my, my friend Fred got to go see the, uh, the uh, what do you call it, the Twilight premiere whatever the what you know the the dracula movie what do you try the dracula movie <laughs> <laughs> but he's uh this is an amazing story he's sitting next to these two 15 year old girls at the premiere right and the, <laughs> so fred's kind of enjoying it just because he loves movies but at one point there's a sex scene and the the girl sitting next to him leans forward in her chair like fist 
clenched and she's going awesome awesome so awesome awesome oh my god awesome (laughs) fred said it was the most adorable thing ever awesome so awesome awesome (laughs) awesome i can't get turned on with you talking over there (laughs) well listen little coil be quiet for a minute would you the dracula's back in a few minutes can i tell you brad that's a bit that i stole from you because uh you start start saying all these goddamn dracula movies and uh i started using that with glow because she watches what's that show with the draculas the uh vampire diaries Diaries. i'm like are you watching your draculas and she she, (laughs) you know what that's from that that is from the howard stern show because party lang Lang was talking about how he has an uncle (laughs) italian uncle guido guy Who's in his eighties, and and his, his uncle used to watch like Never Miss Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? And they're like, God, you know, Uncle Guido's out there watching Buffy. There's no way he knows what's happening. And so he goes, Hey, you know, Uncle Mario or whatever the guy's name is. Are you sure you know what's happening in this? And he goes, Oh yeah, it's Jew Broad fights Dracula's. <laughs> And then well, later on, we were at Calgary. This was Calgary, and I and we were sitting there talking like we do behind the table. And I go, you know, there is not a sentence in the world that you can't take out the word vampire and replace it with Dracula that is not funny. And that they had some one of these Dracula <laughs> actors over there, and a fifteen-year-old girl comes up and she says, "Oh, do you know where you know blah 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 is?" And I said, "Oh, don't worry." I pull up my program guide, and I said, "Don't worry, we'll we'll help you find the Dracula." <laughs> Kept me like I had snot on my face. It was wonderful. We'll help find the Draculas. We'll help you find the Draculas. But Brad was pulling that line out all weekend, so you're going to want to walk past the Draculas, and uh, about three moves past it, like every direction was using the, even if the Draculas weren't needed. I right, was so want to go about way around just so I could use that phrase. Yeah, it was like okay, so you're going to want to go the opposite direction from the Draculas, and then. Uh, yeah. uh, Good thing there's no there's no Twilight actors here. All right, turn left here, and don't worry, no Draculas. <laughs> it fits uh, everywhere. Awesome. awesome. Anyway, so Tim's a fucking asshole. <laughs> Is that well, it? Now, he's he's kind of shown contempt for the for the woman character in the past. Isn't this the same woman that had the miscarriage? Wasn't that like this? Whole <laughs> thing? So, well, yeah. There's a couple things here that. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna default to Chris's. Please don't ascribe motive. And uh, but uh, yeah. So if you there's a there's a one of the reasons why I feel that Tim is a monster is that he just has <laughs> just a blatant. And listen, I'm guilty of it too because like for the first year and a half of PvP, Jade was essentially cross my arms and roll my eyes, and I'm the chick that plays video games. Yeah. There's I mean, a, it's it, a danger. Absolutely, it's a trope, and it was a trope. I'm ashamed that I that she was at some point. Like there is a old PvP site that you can go find on the Wayback Machine, and in the character descriptions for Jade is like my third iteration. It goes, "What's Jade about? Eh, she's a girl and she plays games. That's all you need to know." Like that was the description of Jade in my <laughs> for my strip. Um, but uh, she's not much better now. But um, yeah, uh, the character of Lila has always been the girl that's essentially said, "If you if you be good, you can touch my boobs." Like that's an actual line of dialogue from the strip. Yeah, like just be a good boyfriend, and I can you can touch my boobs. And mm. then um, she got pregnant, 
And we are all here talking about the fact that in the storyline, this Mary Sue character, who does nothing but sit on a couch and play video games, is now going to be a dad. And we knew that Tim wasn't a dad and had no, you know, there's no... so how is this going to convert? Yeah, we're like, she's not keeping the baby. There's no baby. And so, sure enough, the character has a miscarriage. And uh, everyone was like, wow, all right, a miscarriage in this strip. And it was handled really badly. And then someone emailed them, I guess, and said, how the hell can you write about a miscarriage? You know, you've not ex- that's pretty serious stuff to write about. People go through a lot of stuff and when that happens, and you're just kind of using it as a terrible plot point. Mm. And it's all about how it affects Ethan. It's not even how it affects the girl. And his response in his blog I had a I had a baseball game to go to, guys. This is really throwing me <laughs> Dave, it gets worse, man. It gets so much worse. In his blog post, he's like, People have said to me, How can you write about a miscarriage? And here's the deal. When I was younger, I was in a serious relationship with a girl, and we were gonna end it. We weren't happy with it, and she got pregnant. And she didn't want kids, and I didn't want kids, and uh, she miscarried, which worked out for everyone because nobody wanted the kid. But (gasps) believe me, I saw firsthand what a woman goes through when there's a miscarriage. That's how I can write about it. He didn't even say, I've been through it. He didn't even say, listen, my girlfriend got pregnant once, and she miscarried, and it was a rough time, so I know. It was that he observed her. Like, I know, what I've seen what... She apparently felt some emotions, and I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> there were a lot of loud noises and quite a few tears. I tell you that much. Right I, now. I tell you what, Brad, I had to turn up the volume on my Xbox. <laughs> so there's a there's it's described as a trope as a, a, what is it? A woman in a refrigerator? Is Gail yeah. Simone coined that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and and Starslip was guilty of that too because like the central figure. Was a was a woman who died, and like in death, she's important. But in life, like I, I don't know how to write this. Um, and, and wait, wait, wait! Can you wait? Because I'm fascinated. Can you explain "woman in a refrigerator"? What's it, that? What's that co- metaphor? It's, it's coined from this when Green Lantern was sort of rebooted, and Hal Jordan went nuts, and they had this whole issue where he was a bad guy now. So the Green Lantern Corps had to find a new. God, Brad would be perfect to describe this, so I'm going to mess it up on purpose for you, Brad. <laughs> no, you're doing great so, so far. So these, so the these, mighty Hal Jordan with his... <laughs> so, these, so these red guys, called the Dementors, uh, were trying to find a new Hal Jordan. Uh, uh, off the, ra- off the tracks, off the tracks. <laughs> anyway, so they... Um, ah, the Guardians, right? That's what they're called, the blue guys with the big heads. Mm-hmm. They, were, mm-hmm. they had to find a new uh, Green Lantern for Earth, and they ended up going to this this kid, Kyle Rayner, who was an artist, was not like Hal Jordan at all. He didn't have strong willpower. He did not use a ring. He, and he was, it was less selected because he was the bravest, but just because, like, I don't know why the ring chose you. You're not so hot. And he's like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> but, um, and he ended up figuring out what to do because his girlfriend was killed by what who was the bad guy who did it major force right yeah, that's, I, that's what i was remembering yeah major yeah. force oh sorry i, I just had to interject there <laughs> it's, it's 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 dumb but the reason it's girls it's woman in a refrigerator because he comes home he's like well i'm a cool guy and i have got no responsibilities where's my girlfriend and he opens the fridge and she's been chopped up in the fridge and that's what makes him go oh now i can rise to be a hero so it's the trope of taking oh, away a girlfriend, reducing yeah. the the woman character to something that the man can lose in order to give him depth. 
Yeah, right? the the, right. the term women in refrigerators refers to the concept that a woman in comics is only there to be victimized to give motivation to the real hero, which is the male character. Gotcha. So it's the equivalent of, no, my favorite Ford Mustang, now I will be a hero. It's, <laughs> which happened in Skyfall. <laughs> That's right. That actually no. did happen. You're right, yeah. It happened my in car. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's, uh, it's like, um, uh, it's, shit, I it, lost track of what I was going to say. It's not good writing. It's very, it's, well, a, it, it's, it's a lazy There was a whole trick. time there right after that, that, that it really re- ran rampant in comics because shortly, well, not shortly after that, but, but one of the main, main highlights after that was the rape of Sue Dibney, who was this. Also, like off to the side character that you you never really saw her. She was the elongated man's wife, wife and, and yeah. you know she kind of factored into a few mystery solving kind of storylines. But she was kind of like uh, like the lit level of Betty Brant. She wasn't it didn't even rise to the level of a Mary Jane. She was a Betty Brant, this character that was off to the side. She was and- pretty cool, man. She was she was. They always wrote them like the Nick and Nora Dunn of DC. Yeah, fair enough. But she, but, but she wasn't what you wouldn't call her even C list, would you? I mean, she because was, those characters didn't appear. It wasn't until um, McGuire and Giffen redid Justice League that you got to really appreciate the two of them. Right. Well, if it's any backing for what you're saying, Brad, I've literally never heard any of these names. So, <laughs> so basically, they did a big event comic DC called Infinite Crisis. Okay. And it starts off with um, uh, the elongated man who's a stretchy character. and He's kind of a detective. And his wife, they're a detective team. He comes home and finds out that his wife has been murdered, burnt to a crisp. Mm-hmm. And then later you find out uh, she wasn't just murdered, guys. She was raped and then murdered. Right. And, and what's like, all right. Yeah, there's this huge drive to make everything really gritty. And then, and the and the main way of doing that is say, all right, somebody's going to get raped. A woman will be killed. Like, and it's so simple. Just we'll just plug that in, and now it's yeah. adult, and now it's for adults. So it's 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 lazy writing and it's bad form and anyway, a lot, a lot of bad. Well, stuff. I'm, I'm thank you for teaching me the woman in a refrigerator. I've never heard that one before. Tim can't write a woman that isn't there to be a hot chick that his character avatar gets to have. Or just be there to be a sexy girl or have... Like, for example, in this storyline, there's a prominent character who's a part of the Resistance that wants to kill him because he caused all the world to go to crap. And she never gets a name. She has no name throughout the whole story. No name? Oh, weird. No, she's never named. Really? That'd be, that'd be downright difficult to do. Go find it. I looked. I, uh, if, <laughs> I, if, I believe you. Was, you. I just <laughs> Brad, Brad, what it entitles is a lot of dialogue. You there! It, yeah, yeah, it's like you you it, it, exactly, it'd be difficult to write. Yeah. I mean, she ends up God, I I could not find a name. Let's work backwards while you guys talk. Well, let me ask you guys a, a different question because I think this is the more interesting part of it. Hmm. And maybe it is just me. Maybe I'm the only one that's shared a similar sentiment, but have you ever had a stage of your comic where it's just for you emotionally, it's just over for you. You're just like, oh, "I wish I could. If you could snap your fingers at that moment, you'd be doing another strip." Doing something different, sure. Not touching the old stuff ever again, sure. But sure. you can't. Yeah. But what? And, so, and, okay, go ahead, Brad. And writing becomes extremely difficult because the the ideas are not coming, and and you've got to literally manufacture something. Right. There's like no joy about. in Mudville, and sometimes it can yeah. last for weeks. You know. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and 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 the 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 question of that becomes what what keeps you from throwing your throwing your hands up and walking away from it. And, yeah. and for and for some and and I can kind of get this. What Scott said about Tim is that oh, what else is he going to do? It's like right. when I left I, I, I last year or earlier this year I left my day job at the newspaper and started doing this full time. And and I come into like like one of those little zones where it's like you know it, 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 it's it's the perfect storm of everything going on. It's like bills are due. Uh, the that my my ads haven't been performing as well as they had in the past. I'm having trouble getting Google DFP to work, so that money isn't isn't coming in as well as it should. And it's like oh, and 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 all that stuff kind of weighs down on you. And uh, you get into one of those jags, like, oh my gosh, I don't, even, I don't even know if I should be doing this or not. And what keeps you doing it, 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 it like Tim's, like like Scott said for Tim, is I looked around. I'm like, good lord, what am I qualified to do? This is it. Right, <laughs> right. I can't leave. Yeah. <laughs> what else? I've got nothing on my resume. I, I I also can claim that I'm a newspaper graphic artist, which which is almost as useful as claiming that you're the best darn buggy whip manufacturer in the West. Yeah. You know, it, 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 you got nothing. Right. You got so it's like so. Then you you turn around and you say, okay, it's time to reach a little bit deeper and make this thing happen. But it's so it's, it, while it, you're it's, in it, it's 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 deadly. It's misery when you're in it. And, and uh, I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only one because, uh, like, this, the, mm, anyway, I, uh, I'm, <laughs> what fascinated, I'm fascinated by someone like Schultz. And it, I sh- we should say that, like, he's a standout in the sense that he did it for so many decades. Like, that's mm-hmm. not the norm. The norm is the, the, you know, that candle that burns brightest thing where, like, Larson quit, I think, after 10 or 12 years and Watterson quit after 10 or 12 years. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be the norm is that like you do a decade or so and you're like, God, I'm tired of this. I'm just tired. I, I have felt I have felt burnt out. Uh, definitely. And I felt burnt out really bad within the last uh, couple of months. I told Corey that if we didn't figure out a way to get me to not have one of these things to do of these three things, which was PvP, the trenches, and table titans that we were working on, that I was going to burn out. Like, it's not that I don't have the will to do them all, but that I will just burn out and something will break down. Yeah. And and it felt to me like PvP could be better if I dedicated all my time to it, but I recognize that it has a life cycle, and what will happen is it will be starting out, then it'll be at the height of its popularity, and then it'll retreat to its core users. It'll always maintain it, but it won't bring in new readers, and I think that's where it's at. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so for me to move on to something new is ideal and exciting. Um, I don't know that I could ever bring myself to abandon PvP completely. I really do care for my characters quite an awful lot. Yeah. And I, I really do get excited still about hearing from them but um it was really a fear that i was going to just burn out from having to do all of these things i was not happy doing all of it and so um working on table titans is such a different process for me because the way i'm doing it is so different from the way i'm doing pvp and the way i'm 
going to do the way I'm going to prepare and distribute the the work itself, the content and deliver it is so different than PVP. And it's so free from the schedule that PVP is kind of beholden to. Um, but oh. that's okay because I've kind of become addicted to that schedule as well with PVP. And I think that's why with PVP, I don't ever build a buffer and keep a buffer. I think I'm very addicted to that routine. Yeah. But with Table Titans, it's so different. I found that working on that second project is energizing me properly for PvP again, as opposed to um, not. But it's good. Again, it's 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 one of those things where you got to have that safety net and you got to have a place to grow from and then uh, have opportunities to jump to different places. I mean, I know that working on the Blams and the Chris and Scott show felt like a branching out. And I tested those waters, and I'm like, that's fun. I don't know if I want to live there, but it was fun seeing it and doing it. And it's led to other opportunities that we're going to work on here soon. But, um, you know, making comics and doing Table Titans now, I have done more world building and plotting ahead of what's going to happen in the next year, two years, three years of that than I ever have done with PvP. Mm -hmm. Um what really confuses me about what Tim did is that I 100% do not believe he planned any of this. This smacks of reverse engineering, much in the sense that one time um, we recognized Tim presented a poster of a – he did a poster, like some digital poster wallpaper. And he's like, hey, if you want to see the sketch that led to this, here's my sketch. And Mike and I looked at that sketch and went, he drew this after. He didn't have a sketch. He just made that art live, finished. Wow. There was no sketch. But he wanted to show that he had a sketch, and so he reverse engineered a sketch. The reason that Mike and I were able to to pick that out, and we I honestly believe that it was a reverse engineered sketch, is because I've done that. I, I've, I've never done warm-up sketches or doodles or anything like that. Yeah. And then you see a bunch of people... With their, I have faked a sketch for professional work where they're like, well, let's see the sketch. And I'm like, really? And so I had to fake a sketch. <laughs> so I know, I, as an artist, my artist eye picked up, like, he fucking faked that sketch. And I'm seeing that with this writing. There's no amount of playing that went into this. I think he got... Just tired. I think he got way into a storyline, and he just got tired, and he was getting negative feedback, and he was like, you know what? fuck this, I gotta do something different. And I think it was kind of a... Just a... And, and, and there's just such a contempt. I mean... Yeah, let's, if, let's tuck into that. Like here's, a specific idea, like contempt for our readership. Here's, here's the problem, okay? You... <clears throat> it's okay to feel these things as an artist. It's okay for you to want to create something and show it to a group of people and then still be upset when they consume it. And the only thing they say is, in panel two, the eyes look kind of weird. It's okay for you to be upset about that. Yeah. And, and, the, and the answer to that is not, hey, if you don't want the criticism, don't offer it to people. Because, honestly, I mean, that, you know... When you when you put a lot of work into something and you and you make something that's like, you know what? I have this thought, and this thought is, you know, friendship is important. And here is this thought I'm sending to you: friendship is important. What do you think? And if they don't look at you and go, friendship is important, you're disappointed. Yeah. Maybe you're disappointed in yourself for not getting the message across. Maybe you're disappointed in them for nitpicking it. Mm-hmm. But 
it's going to grate on you. So there, you can, there's a healthy contempt you can have for your audience. But, but again, it's like, <laughs> every, it's like every couple that goes to a dinner party leaves and talks about every other couple. It doesn't mean you hate the other couples. It's just what you do. <laughs> you yeah, don't, it's, it's you human don't, nature. There's a difference between having a thought and acting on a thought. Mm-hmm. And this motherfucker just acted on all that shit. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you don't you don't tell your audience, "Hey, remember the last ten years you spent mm. investing in all of these characters?" Well, guess what? Fuck you. She yeah, well. died at this character's hand. He had to watch it. The whole world blew up. He didn't get to say goodbye to anybody, and now the whole thing's gone. It's all gone. I erased all of it. Yeah. And nothing is planned because if it was planned, it would be the reboot would happen today. And today it's just a goddamn strip about my little pony iPad games. Well, let me ask you this, Scott, because this is an interesting question. Is it is it better, do you think, as far as if you are absolutely at the end of your rope, which he might have been. If you're absolutely at the end of your rope, is it better to just end it? End it? Like, is the reboot more insulting no. somehow? Do you think he can't end it? End it? That's, what the fuck is he going to do? No, the, but that's what I'm saying. Is problem? Like, he was in terms of yeah. No, but I'm saying in terms of fan, uh, not fan service, but in terms of respecting your fans. Take the economics of it aside. Is it? Do you guys think it's better to end it? End it? Or to to like? Is it somehow more insulting because it's a reboot? I think that if he got to the end of his rope and said to himself, guys, I have found myself at a crossroads. I cannot draw more control alt delete. I am I'm sick of it. But I don't want to just kill all these characters off, so here's what's gonna happen. The next two weeks I'm gonna take a break. I'm gonna dwell on this a bit. I'm gonna give you some jokes about um uh, uh Halo four. It's gonna be awesome. People are gonna get blown up. There's gonna be a dick joke in there. <laughs> well, and, and this is the perfect time to do it, too. He could say, I'm going to take December off for the holidays. I'm going to give myself a holiday, throw up a few guest strips, throw up a couple non-canon-type strips, like Scott's saying, and then in January, come back at this thing fresh. You know what? I but, think- but even then, oh. like, is it, worse? is it worse if Watershed goes, you know what, Calvin had a good run, I'm done, I thank you for your readership, you know, I, I'm respectful of the kindness you gave me and the, the ability to do this. Is it worse if he if he then goes? But you know what? Starting next week, uh, Hobbs is no longer able to talk. He's just a tiger. He's just stuffed. That's all he is. And it's uh, Susie's now the main protagonist, and uh, Calvin is now 14. I mean, like, I think is that's that worse? I think that's worse. Genuinely, if if don't end the first story, like this is new to Western pop culture, but it's not Eastern pop culture. Um, If you go watch Eastern TV and pop culture, there are Japanese TV shows. There's a Japanese TV show about a samurai. I don't know if you guys remember in Kill Bill, the guy that made uh, the bride's sword. Yeah. That was a Hatari Hanzo sword. That's a throw. That's a homage to a series of samurai shows in Japan about a samurai named Hanzo. Mm Mm-hmm. Every season, it was the same character, just that he just rebooted it. Like, one season, it's feudal Japan, and he's doing this stuff, and he's Hanzo the Samurai, whose kid was killed, and he's on a series of revenge. Then that story ends at the end of the season. Next season, 
More Hanzo. Okay, now it's a totally different story, but he's still a samurai named Hanzo. So it's kind of like Black Adder. Yeah, it's, it's like, like Black the Adder. same dude through the centuries. Different things, and and also like there's an anime called Tenchi, and all the characters are kind of in it. But every time there's a new series of Tenchi, it's different. One time it's feudal Japan, one time it's space, one time it's modern day Japan, Tokyo. Right. The characters are all kind of there in one form or another, but they don't at the end of it just say "fuck you." All these characters are dead. It didn't matter. They say yeah. beginning, middle, end. Now let's do something new. Beginning, middle, end. Now do something new, and then. Then you feel a bit of a – then it's more of a – yeah, it's like Blackadder. No one's like – then you have a favorite Blackadder, but you don't say Blackadder 2 erased all of Blackadder 1. Right, right. Well, that's just it. If he wanted to reboot this or if he wanted to just restart and do something different, he had the perfect opportunity to do it. Don't you? And he could have said – well, I mean, I, I think about when Starslip uh, ended. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you had your reboot, uh, Chris. You did that in such a graceful way there. I, I can still picture the characters kind of dropping through space and everything. Uh, you know, you you did a really nice uh, reboot of Starslip, right? Well, for a while, there was an idea that I was going to just shift it. But, I mean, it was so short-lived because it wasn't – like I like these characters. I can't just throw them out and say, "All right, right we're doing this right. now." The thing yeah. that the thing that I thought was, "Ah, shoot! I just lost the thread." Damn it! Oh, well, I mean, like, I mean, other web comics that have done this have been like Sam and Fuzzy's done this, and Dumbing yeah. of Age is sort of a, a reboot in a sense, right? Oh yeah, or Scary Go Round turned into or Scary Go Round with right? Yeah, exactly. So I mean, like, it seems to me like the the insulting part, like Scott hit on, and I'm realizing that that was the key point that, that I missed was that none of this matters. None of the 10 years that you read before matters, essentially, because it's all wiped away. That's the insulting part. Like, had there just been a, a satisfying ending where there was still meaning but new characters... Like, basically, you have a machine, from what I understand, that can... Like, it could have been a deus ex machina. You know what? Rewrite on the universe, and then they're, they're still there, and they're just new. Right. That's, just, that's, that's what I was the, trying to get at, is that he That could have been your easy out, the deus ex machina, it. you know? I, do you think that... I, I, I believe this. Uh, I may not pose it as a question. I'm going to pose it as an assertion. I think that Tim <laughs> was too close to what he was doing to realize that he actually didn't need to reboot it at all. I think that the continuity was an issue to him and him alone. Oh, that there was a respect there that he couldn't break away from. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I feel like he's like, God, these characters are so complicated now. How do I even move forward? I'm unhindered by all this this canon. Ah, I can't. i got to just start it over. But I think from the point of view of a reader, they were not like, they wouldn't be like, hey, wait a minute. He used to have a red couch. Why is it blue now? You know? Nobody would have been bent out of shape if he had just said, you know what? I'm going to pare down. I'm going to do the all-star version. And not worry about uh, all this discontinuity, and we're just going to, you know, feel these characters out as they are, like as you understand them, as you want them to be. Like he wouldn't have to shut everything down with a hard reboot and say, "I got to start over because I've wrecked what I've done so far." But now, what what is he? What what's next for him? I mean, what's his next? Here is the. This is the baffling part. Mm. Um, this is this is ridiculously baffling. So he wrote a blog post because his thing was this: um, Control Delete has gotten too complicated. I want to bring it back to video game jokes, like it used to be. So I'm scrubbing Ethan and the core cast. All these guys, you know, I'm getting rid of them. He's got um, these other characters that are just called the players, and they're it's basically player one, player two through four, and they're very like random violence type of 
uh, slapstick characters. You can kill them and they can come back to life because they're just video games. Because it doesn't matter, right? And there's a safety in that. Like, I can tell a joke and not worry about, like, but he died last week. No, no. They're come back. <laughs> it's, it's video games. It doesn't matter. And, okay. And so he's like, look, Ethan and all the core cast, they'll come back in some form. I don't want to abandon them entirely, but, you know, they'll be different when they do come back. However, I'm going to focus on these player characters because they're so random. However... Somebody asked, "Did do the are the player characters too simplistic for to carry a strip like this?" Yes, that currently they are. So I'm going to deepen them. And isn't that just where he so was? So you're back to where you were, yeah, right? Exactly. exactly. Guys, look. Here's the problem, and you guys don't have to agree with this. You can stay silent because there's no <laughs> need for you guys to jump in. Hmm. Here's the problem. Okay, Tim is a fucking unfeeling monster. <laughs> Who more than likely is abusive to his wife. No. (laughs) Uh, Tim is this... Tim cannot follow the adage, write what you know. Because he is a man-child who has never worked a fucking day in his life or had a real fucking relationship. I'm going to rephrase that for you. (laughs) In a palatable way. Okay, you palatabilize it for me. All right. You You be my anger translator. Reverse it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be your calm translator. <laughs> when you write a, when you're writing one thing for so long, the exact same way, I think you lose sight of what it actually is or what it means to other people. And so he ended up in this situation where he felt he felt stifled by that, even though it actually wasn't a weight on him. You know what I mean? His writing didn't grow because he saw such success with it so early on. And there's somebody's blowing leaves out right here. Ah, my favorite, my favorite <laughs> time of the day. Get, did you get? Did you get? No, both but of Chris, them? what I'm saying is, you can write about what it's like to go through the first year of your marriage because you've gone through the first year of your marriage, mm-hmm. right? I you can guess. write about what it feels like to care so deeply about one woman that she's considered the other half of your body and your soul because you've experienced it. Yes. What I'm saying is Tim is the cartooning equivalent of a little kid that comes in a room and says something that he knows sounds like an adult conversation, but it's not really a conversation. He just knows what it's supposed to sound like. So the kid listens to adults talk and then he goes, well, I've had a heck of a day. I can't speak to He feels to... really good And what's happened is he's done that enough These fragments of what it feels like To have a story with characters that develop Like they got married And then they got pregnant And then it's like uh oh I don't know how to write about kids Miscarriage wow that was intense That's really good <laughs> All these things. That was gritty Now at the end of it he's like Wow, man, I don't want to write about any of that. I don't have that in my heart. I don't want to talk about it. I don't have thoughts about it. Really, the only thing I have thoughts about is a fucking six-pack of Blue Moon and the new Halo. <laughs> and now I've got all these characters where I told all these stories, and I can they not be married? Can I not have him be married that's been through a miscarriage? Like I don't know how. This is the problem we were talking about when he got them married. There's no way to go. There's no way for him to continue doing strips whether he's a dipshit on the couch. Right. When they were dating, and it's like, Ethan, did you stick a fork in the toaster and leave it plugged into the outlet and leave the house and almost burn the house down? And he says, yes, I did. And they're like, why did you do that? And he goes, well, I thought it would make, uh, I thought it would bring the toaster to life, and I've always wanted a robot friend. He can't do that now. 
if there's a kid, because everyone's going to go, hey, um, your character almost killed a kid. That's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. This is... This is Joe Casada and Marvel erasing Peter Parker's marriage because Peter Parker works best when he's a kid that has to worry about his aunt not making rent. But yeah, now he's yeah. he's married and he's got kids and everyone's fine and the story can't end because it has to continue, so they've got to reboot it. And the thing is like he he is going to eventually be telling stories about Ethan again, and the players one through four will not stay the main characters because he's got to marry Sue himself back into this, and he'll just have rebooted them so Ethan does not have to have all these responsibilities. Yeah. The interesting wrinkle on all this, because I'm sorry I keep bringing this back to us, but I, it's kind of because I don't care about him. But anyway, <laughs> if... if, if uh, it's an interesting thing we always tell ourselves and we tell other cartoonists is that, you know, stasis is bad. Don't stay the same. Change it up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, make it interesting for yourself. But what do you do if you've made it, if you've changed it up and then you're like, dual back away. This is terrible. I don't want any of this. I think maybe, I mean, ideally you would have a, you would have a better understanding of why you need to change it. And I think that I've, I've been through similar where I... I wanted one strip. I wanted one premise to somehow give me the freedom to do everything that I wanted to do. Everything. But there's no such thing. You can't do a humor strip and then drop a horrible dramatic bomb in it and then go back next week to, you know, jokes about whatever. Right. right. Once you've picked your path, you kind of have to stick with it. Right. So I think to understand, like, what it is you want this thing to be and have some courage about it i mean his his writing ability aside i mean i don't think it's very good and i think that's where the where it's going to always struggle i don't i i can't speak to whether or not he actually loves his wife or if he's ever felt an adult feeling i don't think he's good at conveying it i don't think he can but i think that if he had the courage to say look i have a story in my heart and it revolves around these characters, and they and God damn it, they are married, and God damn it, they are going to have a baby because that is what ultimately I want to write, and maybe it's going to be bad for two years, and if he has the guts and it's not a concern of the what's going to happen to the business, then he could do that. He could launch another strip that is just player one, player two. Look, right? here's I, because I, I oh go ahead, Scott, I've, I'm sorry. I've dealt with this myself, and the way I handle it is I just. Let enough time pass to where my readers rotate and they don't even know, right? Like, uh, Cole originally was married and had two kids because at the beginning I didn't really have Cole. Uh, Cole kind of was based on a doodle I did once of a coworker. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I designed Cole, I kind of thought, you know, this was neat when I did that doodle of Richard. I really liked the little lines I did here. I think I'll make this Cole. And he always took that as Cole is me. And so for funsies, when I thought, I'll have Cole have a wife and kids, I said it was Donna and Dylan and, and, uh, and his, you know, his kids. Well, now I have people reading the strip that are like, that's us. And, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't like that. So I stopped showing his wife. I stopped having him talking about his kids. I stopped doing jokes about him being married. And then at one point I said, um, I'm, I had him say I'm getting a divorce. And... They dealt with that, but they only dealt with, like, hey, I'm going through a rough time. I'm, I've left the house. I'm getting a divorce. And then the, I didn't ever talk about it again, and someone said, 
uh, did they ever get a divorce? And I'm like, yeah, I should probably mention that he did actually get divorced. It wasn't just it's he's filed. And so he mentions going on a date, and they're like, but you're married. And he goes, guys, I got divorced uh, like a month ago. And they're like, when did you get divorced? He's like, I spent a week on your couch. And, and there was <laughs> – and it was fine, you know? I'm, yeah, right. Marcy and Francis got married in Vegas because sometimes kids go to Vegas and get married, and it's dumb. And mm-hmm. I want to explore that. They got married way too young, and what the hell is going to happen now? And what's it like when young people do that? Mm-hmm. If I don't like the way it turns out, they can just decide that they were too young. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, the other safety valve I've found that's frankly saved my ass in the last year, because I, I have just been, I, I felt burnt out really heavily in the last year. And part of that is because of doing the same thing for 10 or 11 years. But also the other one is just too much stuff on my plate. And so nothing is filled with joy because everything there's, even if I'm doing something at the moment that fills me with joy, there's like four other deadline related things that I know are, are on the other side of my desk, if that makes sense, you know? So it, it just kills the creativity process for me. But the one sort of safety valve that I found this year, and it's, it's, it's barely keeping me together, is that if I'm feeling bored with Project A, being able to switch to Project B is a wonderful safety valve. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's been my godsend this last year, is just being able to switch around a little bit. Well, yeah, and, and, and I mean, you should be able to switch around. I mean, the, the other thing that, that, that we kind of touched upon earlier is that, you know, we're, we're kind of still, we, we always kind of make fun of those guys that think that they need to be syndicated to be a cartoonist today. Because it's like, you know, it hasn't been that way for 15 years. You know, it's, it's time to it, take, take a look around you. And we always kind of snicker about that. But at the same time, take a look at, at each one of us. We're still kind of following that syndicate mentality that we have to do that core product uh, into our gray years. And the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, really we can, we can stop doing, uh, I could stop doing Evil Inc. if I wanted to, and I could start doing something else. And I could, with a great de- degree of efficiency, uh, migrate most of those readers over to the new thing and, and make that go. I, I don't have to do the same old strip for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I, I really think I, I, maybe it's maybe it's the influence of you guys actually, but I've really moved away from the fact that I have to be married to a title for the rest of my life, and that I have to do five or seven or whatever number you want to say a week. Like I well, don't think I don't think that's the model I need to use going forward, and I'm not ready yet to switch it up, but I will be. I think when I get the film done, I'm, I think I'm ready to switch things up on my output and the way I work. Uh. Ah, yeah. That's how that's how I felt about doing Brood Hollow. Is that I wanted to work towards a book that I'm proud of, as opposed to I have to have a strip up. Yes, and, and it right. and, and it shifts the it shifts the burden. I mean, I already have a project that I can do once a day and not worry about it, and then that's where my ad revenue can come from. But right. mm-hmm. but I want to work towards a good product that I'm proud of instead of uh, Tuesdays and Fridays were no good, but I had to get one up, and I did. Yeah. Right. Well, can I tell you, Chris, that's exactly – I mean, people are mad at me, and, and rightly so, that Drive hasn't been updating. But it's because I love it and respect it that I don't want to just crap one out, you know? Like, those, those SOBs take me like eight or ten hours, and I want that story to be really good. So when the film is done and I'm able to return to it, I don't want to look back at the last four that I've done and be like, oh, those are terrible. So I just haven't done them. Right. You know? 
which yeah. in a way I think is better. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely killing the audience right now. But four or five years from now, when I get to the end of the story, I don't want to have this chunk where I was like, oh, well, that's where I was doing the film, you know? Yes. No, you're right. And, and like, so I, was, I called my brother up. I've been talking to a bunch of people about it that are in the know told Mike and Jerry and my wife and Brian about it, but I'm like, I've plotted out like the whole backstory. I've world built all of Table Titans and check this out. This and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened and that happened and then this happened and that's where we got to here and then that's when this started and then and then that'll happen and that'll happen and then boom, big reveal that, then this, then that, and then that sets a new paradigm than that. And Brian goes, <laughs> oh fuck. And I'm like, right? And he goes, dude, that's awesome. When does that happen? I'm like, I don't know, like second year, third year, maybe. <laughs> but the great thing about it is it will inform everything. Yeah. Like it's in right. my head now. And as I'm writing the stuff that will lead to it, it's like, oh, why don't I put, why don't I, why don't I do this? And then later on when they get to the reveal, they'll go, did he? No. Flip, 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 flip. Son of a bitch. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's the hallmark of really good writing. And and it comes down to one word, planning. You've planned this out in your yeah. head. And, so, and you can now when you're going through it, you can put little touches in there that, that your writers are just gonna rave about. So with Table Titans, like Corey is trying to convince me to do it three days a week, and I'm like, mm-hmm. Corey, it's gonna be two days a week. Because what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna draw a comic book. I'm gonna draw a story. This is story one, this is story two, this is story three. Has a beginning, has a middle, and has an end. And I'm drawing them. And then I'm going to do them like European comics, where instead of it being um, a comic book page that's, th- that's three rows, it's four rows. Mm-hmm. That makes yeah. sense? Like mm-hmm. European yeah. comics? Yeah. And you split that page right in half, and you get two updates. Yes. And then you figure out how to spread them out during the course of a season of Table Titans. But Table Titans will not be beholden to the model of, there's got to be an update today, otherwise my Google AdSense numbers will drop because, and then I don't know if I'll make the mortgage, because PvP is currently taking that burden on. And PvP is, is carrying that burden so the Table Titans can be a little freer. And if there's not an update for a couple of days, it's okay, because at the end, we're going to have this amazing thing that will be a, eventually this wonderful hardcover that I could hand to somebody and say, I made this. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. I find it so interesting that the four of us who all essentially started out as gag-a-day comic strips guys, mm-hmm. the most passionate projects that each one of us have ended, in, uh, ended up with are story-based right now. <laughs> Like, really plotted out stories that we're working on. Do you think that some of that, I mean, some of that has to do with maturing, and some of that has to do with... um, Grant Screener? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, 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 yeah. I'm going to try this now, exactly. But don't you think some of it, too, has to do with, uh, like, advertising, tanking? Like, it's like, all right, I can't count on that anymore. I've always lamented, for some reason, Starslip always did really well for me in advertising. Like, whatever ads ran on that site, like, they were just right for the audience. Because, mm-hmm. because I would compare my page views with other people, and, and, or, and it's like, oh, we're not making that money off of it. I don't know why I did. But that's over. That's done now. So I can't, <laughs> I can't count on that anymore. So it's like, well, I want a good finished product then. 
I want something well, that I'm and proud also, of. Yeah, but also, I mean, if you compare it to, like, dating, it, it's a little bit like uh, the, the gag a day is satisfying when you're it's, – it's like dating when you're in high school or college. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah, I go out on a, a different date. But, but as you get older, you're like, I want a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and stories are akin to that. It's long-form stories where you can plan it out, you craft every detail. That's like the wedding anniversary or the, you know, the third-year dating anniversary or whatever, um, where it just has more meaning. It has more power for you. I don't know. It's, 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 it, maybe you're right, Chris. Maybe it's a maturation thing where we're just older. and I don't know. I just find that I'm, I'm less and less satisfied with, with Gagaday stuff as I get older. Like, sure. I still want to do them, but I don't want to be, be beholden to forcing one out every day. Uh, well, maybe, there's also look, a fatigue, it, too, because mm-hmm. writing, writing humor every day is, is incredibly difficult. I mean, it's, it's the hardest thing that you can do. And, and it's, there's a fatigue that happens there. I, there's, there's no two ways about it. Can, yeah. I, can I offer an alternative that's a little less depressing and maybe... maybe uh, Something that we should take a moment to 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 give ourselves as a little gift, an early oh, Christmas gift. Okay, please. Um, maybe it's not that we're exhausted or that we're tired, that we're burnt out. Maybe it's just that we worked really, 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 really fucking hard for a decade, and this is our reward. <laughs> like people yeah. forget that. Like when I wrote that blog post about don't blame publishers for all these shitty contracts because they can only offer them we need to educate creators the response was fuck you people are out there to take advantage of me and that's what's keeping me from succeeding is that these publishers are monsters and and the thing is like the other thing that was said was well you don't know what it's like you don't know what it's like to have to put yourself into hawk to keep your webcomic going (gasps) or you don't know what it's like you don't know what it's like to have to work a day job and also do this, and you don't know what it's like. They just think that we woke up one day and had these things. Yeah. So, you know, we've worked really, really hard, and we put our whole lives on hold to build this out of thin air for them and ourselves, mm-hmm. and this is our cake. Like, we've done this now. We've worked very, very hard, and now... We get to do this, you know. It's like, it's like, um, uh, not Capra or Kubrick. Holy shit! Who's Lucas's friend? Coppola. Oh. Wow. <laughs> um. Sound like a, sound like a Dr. Seuss for a minute. Not Capra, not Kubrick, but Coppola. Bippity boppity poo. Hopeless says that there's no money in movies, but he loves making movies. So he makes wine so that he can afford to make the movies that he loves. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah so I about that. We did webcomics for 10 years so that we could put ourselves in a position to where one day we can say, okay, okay, I've pushed really, really hard into this territory. I've built myself a little living here. We've got a nest egg. I've got my family established. And now I've made myself some time and some space so that I can sit down and do something that I'm proud of and that I'm really, really super proud of. And also, maybe it's also that this... After 10 years, we actually learned enough to be able to tell these stories now. Maybe our 10,000 <clears> – <throat> excuse me. I'm just going to swallow on swallow my own spit and die. But 
If I don't die. No, you've just earned 10,000 hours, though, son. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. No, you had made it. Oh. Put on my tombstone something really poignant. Um, Toyota. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love just what as, it just says in a very small sans serif font, he chose Quiznos. <laughs> if you, I, I think maybe we've gotten to a point where it's like we've done all this. This was our 10,000 hours. And um, it's like that story I always tell. We filled the studio with a thousand different drawings, sculptures, paintings, sketches, reliefs of that damn horse. And now we can finally draw the horse we want to draw because mm. we've studied it. Oh. Whereas yeah. Tim worked for 10 years and cut himself off from everybody and didn't give a shit, just went <laughs> into his hand and went, ah, gold again. <laughs> yeah, what do you do when you're like that? I think that's what it is. It's like, I'm going to try this. Oh, nope, that was no good. And, and like people t- let you know that it's no good, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You had a. Scott, you had a, not to put you on the spot here, but you, you you were drawing PvP super realistic. Oh, I know. And then and and there was a, an outcry, and there then you're like, you know what? Let me pull back. I'm gonna go the other direction now. There, people were like, one guy wrote me and said, "Just, I know you're gonna be mad at me, but I want you to do me a favor. I want you to read this email and finish it, and then I want you to." St- Give yourself like 20 minutes, like go get a sandwich or have a cup of coffee and then come back and look at the last five strips and tell me that you don't see realistically traced bodies with cartoon heads on them. It's Sally Forth now. And I did it. Like I went and I took a break and I let the answer of the email down. I came back and I went, oh, fuck. (laughs) Because I had a hair up my ass one day that I need to be Frank Cho. And I started drawing realistic. And then everything, I went, no, 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 no. These don't even look like my characters anymore. And I talked to Mike about it. And Mike's like, look, that's what we do. We don't fill sketchbooks with sketches. We have, we have to entertain people. We have a JPEG to put up. You do it all live. And now oh. you push yourself way, way far in this direction. You've learned some things, right? I said, yeah. And he goes, all right, put those in your pocket to inform your work. And now pull back. That's how this works. That's what we do. And Amen. Now, yeah. Go do the next thing. And so I went and I just kind of said, I need these to look like my characters again. I need it to be more cartoony. And there was three or four strips in there where that's Brent. I'm experimenting with different noses and it doesn't even look like Brent. And then I was like, I know what's wrong with Brent. He doesn't have any eyes. I can't give him anything, any expression other than snark. And so I, I'm going to give him eyes. And then it was three strips of them going, no, this looks terrible. Like, no, the character's telling Brent, this does not work. I, you look weird. Yeah, like, yeah, you have to address it in there. Addressed it, and then all of a sudden it was like, wow, I can tell, really have him have emotions. And the next story was his dad had a heart attack. And yeah. he that, and it was great. But, like, you have to, you have to either build, a, you have to either listen to yourself, which is really, really tough to do, and be self-examining. You have to form a peer group that you can trust to kick your ass, that you feel safe getting your ass kicked by. Or you have to just listen to your audience, which is, I think, the toughest. Mm-hmm. It's um, tough because you can always be like, well, the, the one argument that even though it's now been rendered true occasionally that I hate is, well, you're just jealous. It's so easy to dis- discount somebody's opinion because you're like, oh, well, you just always hated me. Even though there are people who hate people. It's true. <laughs> 
That's real. <laughs> but I like to listen to, like, there's always a little bit maybe to consider. You don't have to own it. You don't have to absorb all of it. But maybe there's a little piece of truth inside there. Yeah. And you know what I'm finding, too, is that sometimes silence is as much a truth as anything else from readers. Do you know what I mean by that? Mm. Like sure. You make, you make some brave new move or you try something else, and if it's not getting a reaction, that itself is a commentary that as I get, as I get older, I'm listening to that silence more from this move or that move. And it's like, oh, all right. Well, that didn't work. Yeah, I think that's interesting in the in the term in terms of um, the strip that stays the same. You know what I mean? Like, but, or 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 you think you're it's different, but it's not. And the reader, but also like, it's it's it. also and you know we always, we've complained about this before the strip that you spent 15 minutes on and it's it's relinked 40 million times and it's it, but yeah. there's there's something to be learned from what that strip is too sometimes um, and and the strip that you crafted and and now you look back on it and it was overly crafted and it was overly clever and it was you know it was too much of an inside joke even to yourself or uh, some inside inside characterization and that's why there was deadly silence on. It, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I I had that experience not too long ago. I was looking through my originals, and I came across one. And I had I, as soon as I saw it, it's like, oh yeah, I remember being really proud of this one. And I looked at it, and I couldn't remember for the life of me why I was so proud of it. Yeah, I I, I, I it's one thing. Like I was, like Scott was saying before that you know we, we've fed off this daily schedule, and I have too. Where I don't, I now don't want to work ahead in Sheldon. But having said that. Every once in a while, I'll come across a strip from six or 12 months ago, and I'll be like, nope, should have said this in the first panel. Nope, should have said this in the third panel. Ah, oh, you blew it, you blew it. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're looking at the strip, and you're rewriting it from six months on, and it would have been so much stronger. I, I do wish every once in a while that I had that, that sort of element yeah, of time. What you said in that thing about what you need to be creative, and he has time twice. And the reason why he had time twice is because you need to set aside time to create where no one you're doing nothing else. But then you also need to give yourself time because he said that when he worked on Monty Python and he came to a joke, his jokes he felt were funnier than some of his other uh, partners. And he was examining why. And it, when, when he examined why, he determined that when those other people did what he did, which is allow himself enough time to come back to it and rework it again, like mm-hmm. give... Just have enough time to not pick the first thought. He realized he could come to a better, funnier thought later. Yeah, yeah. You know what, Scott? Actually, you absolutely nailed why I've been frustrated this year. I haven't had time to not pick the first thought. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, you know, holy shit, that's exactly what I've been frustrated with. And that's why. Wow. Wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> you had a breakthrough. No, wow, you, you just like, ran out of the I'm house. I'm over here crying in a corner. Oh, God, Scott figured it out. Uh, no, that's what it is. I had to, I, we moved two houses, the film, the new baby. It's all been too much this year. I've had to pick the first thought. Yeah, yeah. It's because you got to get it up. And then, and then uh, you got to get that strip up. And then the other thing. Like- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Boy, we, all, we all heard it. We all made the joke in our head. God, we all so decided. Subtle. Very subtle. No, but Very you know what? Scott, you're right. I do got to get it up. Oh, I got to get it up. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I got to get it up. <laughs> Just see yourself quietly. I think that one of the things that's changed about the landscape is, and I'll make a comparison to World of Warcraft, but um, in World of Warcraft, it used to be that um, you had characters, you had an account, and and you can have several characters on that account. And when you do something in the game, and uh, it, it takes you a while to do it, right? To level up to the maximum level, to earn a certain amount of factions, to get a certain amount of equipment. The game is designed to 
you know, they want you to spend time playing it because if you do everything in a week, you lose interest in the game and you stop playing. So they build, they design the game to take time to reach achievements and certain milestones so they have time to get the next expansion out and get you more, more goals to reach. And they build in time sinks and money sinks to force you to spend more time playing, not because they get more money the more time you play, but just to give themselves that time to make new content. And it used to be that uh, frustrating because if you got a character to a certain level of an achievement and you wanted to play a different character, you had to start completely over now, Mm -hmm. this new character. And what they've gone to since the game is kind of in the middle of its continuation cycle and not bringing new players in necessarily, is now it's all account-based. So if you reach a bunch of goals on your one character, it doesn't matter. You're actually, your character is your account. And whatever you do on one character kind of applies to all your characters. So your character is really you, the person, and all of your characters kind of benefit. It's almost like they're your employees, right? Like they're part of your team, and you've done this as a player, and that affects all of your stuff. And I was thinking about how that's kind of been my my career, right? Like PvP went from being being a paid gig to to being what it is and now I want to do table titans and is it starting over well no it's not because really my product is is Scott Kurtz and these are all the things that I do and right. so i think that we have to get out of that mindset where it's a little scary where it's like i can't let go of pvp because that's all i am right right and i think once you finish this film and it's going to be awesome and please let me see a cut of it um and with drive and everything, you're learning that it's going to be okay to let go of Sheldon. But you had to build yourself up to that. You had to get to that milestone first. Yeah, and I don't. I just to, just to be clear, I don't regret those ten years, and I don't regret even what I'm doing now. I think I just think it's a it's a reevaluation of I can do it and other things a better service if I don't do it five days a week. Right. Yeah, absolutely. you know, like it that that it actually will be a better strip. There'll be less of it. But that's okay. The way I'm yeah. doing the way I'm doing stuff once Table Titan starts and it's going to be two days a week. I have considered taking PvP to three because then I'm still doing a five day a week thing. Right. Uh-huh. But I'm worried that it would fundamentally change the strip because I don't know if you can tell longer stories with only three days. It's, per- it's hard. I I had the same problem with Star Slip because it was three days a week for like a year. And I think it changes the rhythms. It so, does. And yeah. so I wonder if you, I wonder if reading it now in the book, now that it's all done, if it's like, oh yeah, this is must have been when it was three days a week because it seems like there's stuff is skipped or more is implied or it moves much slower. That's the problem, right? Like, but maybe, maybe uh, what I'm trying to figure out is maybe PvP has gotten to a point where the stories aren't so important, and I can do that somewhere else. Like, right, right. That's what I was going to say, is that maybe the outlet for PvP now is, is less, uh, look, guys, they're finding out the, the lost riddle of the Sphinx versus they, they, it's just a fun things that are happening to the gang, you know? Right, mm. right. Maybe it's just where I put funny thoughts as opposed right. to, well, now, this, now the company's in real trouble. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you will always be able to build that. You, oh, hey, what was that? I don't know. Everybody okay? <laughs> I think they fell over. David, Dave, you okay? 
maybe just David. Dave? What? Sorry, I lost it for a second there. Oh, okay. <laughs> we my thought phone, you had, no, a, I had to, pl- I had to plug you, my phone in. Sorry. Go ahead. You had an aneurysm or something. <laughs> no, no. Gonna well, race what was over the comment? I'm sorry. I'll get, no, the comment was we're all getting older, and we really thought there was a possibility that you just like passed out. <laughs> <laughs> So was, guys, what I said. Oh, what, what I was gonna say was, Scott, if you want, if you really have that story burning inside of you, you could still tell it. You could always say, "Look, guys," um, and then you do this on the side. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna build up a little buffer so I can tell this PvP story, and then for the next two weeks, it's five days a week again. Yeah, exactly. That's like, true. You should I, be able to have that flexibility if it's gonna make a better product. Oh, oh, Chris. If I did have a story, I could just do it for that week. Right. Mm-hmm. I, and I, Oh, that's true, because Table Titans is the one that is flexible, right? What do you mean? Oh, I'm just saying that that's the one where you're like, look, I'd rather it be good than make sure I nail my whatever, I'm three days, two days a week. So you could say this week, no Table Titans, but we're, PvP's come back f- five days a week. Yes. And you that's know. why I set up my website the way that it is now, so that when you come there, it's today's strip... And then at the top, it will be like, hey, new table titans. Right. Right. So it's not like anyone's going to go and not know. There's one hub. Oh, we've learned so much. It's this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But, guys, every good thing has to come to an end, and we have to end this podcast. Yeah, I'm going to have to get going pretty soon and pick up my kids from school. So I was just about to say the same thing, but I got to say it, it it's this has felt really good. I really you know what? Can I tell you? I when when I myself feel like I have a new angle on how I'm feeling, that was a good podcast. Yeah. yeah. Like I feel like I've I've <laughs> I've had a breakthrough. <laughs> they'll, they'll, you guys you guys have brought me to a new plateau. <laughs> Ah, uh, David, it feels good. It feels uh, to talk shop like this is important. This is what I feel like Tim doesn't have. You need this. You need to have a peer group. Well, and I think that's why we're a little bit fascinated by this, aside from aside from him personally, is that a little bit there, but for the grace of God, go us. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, truly. Really. Oh, but also with me, schadenfreude, because good and fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> uh Oh man! No, but it is. It's good to have a peer group because you. It's a good to know that you're not walking off a cliff, or if you are, you're not. You're not the only one doing it, and it's good to just have these little correctives now and again. You know, you're back. We're all on this rope, and and Bob, I just immediately thought to rock climbing, and I thought, no, that's a bad metaphor because fatty is the first to be cut loose (laughs) in a rock climbing metaphor. In this metaphor, I am not a fatty. We're all rock climbing. We all got shit attached to the cliff. So if one ca- ca- caliper, what are they called? Uh, a carabiner. Well, if one carabiner goes, the three of us have our carabiners in, and we catch you. Yeah, yeah. You need That's that. Right. You need to compare notes. You I think we need, need to that support. I think we need to end this podcast. We need to have a little discussion offline about whether this is something we should uh, do again soon. Yes, I am uh, uh, in agreement. All right. Well, this has been Web Comics Weekly. Da 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 da. Now one of us, one of us has to dig out that Garage Band. 
Dust it off. <laughs> find that find that track. Oh, this is this is going up sans steam. <laughs> it's, this this done. thing's done. Chris, it's so far in the past that when you cut this together, it's just like a, a track from the first Boston album, and you're like, "Is this what we use? I don't even know." Yeah. What, what the? F- it's like this, gar- Garage Band. Uh, garage Band has a dialogue box that, that actually says, "Did you die? Are you okay?" <laughs> <laughs> no, but I love the idea that you have you have no memory of actually putting together or ever having done a podcast. You're just like, what did we use? Was it Katy Perry's California Girls? I have no idea. <laughs> you know what? That what sounds the- right. That feels yeah, right. I'm just, you know what? I'm just going to put that up there. <laughs> ah, uh, we, did we had a podcast. Ah, it's the best. Ah, oh, that son of a bitch. Oh, I hope you blow. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, can I can I make one suggestion? Yeah. We've had a successful reboot today. <laughs> I think you're right. We paid homage <laughs> to the past and we look towards the future. That's how That's it right. should be done. That's and a totally it's... different Brad. He's got blonde hair. <laughs> and he's not quite such a chick magnet this time. <laughs> oh no, that you can't move too far away from character. <laughs> <laughs>